Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios, hanging out with you where sports meets that thing called life. Picture in picture right now with Miss Tammy Reese. Always happy to have Tammy on the broadcast. It's been a minute since she's been on, but we're happy to have her back. University of Rhode Island women's basketball head coach for the Rams. And we're going to talk about the season as well as the Super Bowl. We'll get some music in there, see what's going on in the entertainment world, and always have a good time with one of my favorite coaches, not because she's on air today, but because she knows how I feel about her from back at her time at Syracuse. Miss Tammy Reese, how are you today? I am excellent. Thanks for having me, Dan. It's been a minute. Yes, it has. So happy to have you back. Happy to have you here. Bring me into the season. Let's discuss it from start to where we are right now. Where was this team coming in and where have they evolved to, in your opinion, up to this point? Well, I think coming in, we had a lot of unknowns. We had a lot of question marks, um, lost 70% of our rebounding, 70% of our offense, lost our player of the year, all our all-conference kids, and four starters. So needless to say, we were young and inexperienced, and I signed a few graduate transfers but didn't know, number one, who was going to take on what role in the beginning of the year, and number two, how quickly can we form our chemistry? And so surprisingly now they have far exceeded my expectations um i thought it was going to take a while but right off the bat we lost our first game of the season to hartford at harvard and then after that they they really started to figure things out um and then by the time we hit conference we uh we had a lot of those unknowns answered who was our go-to you know what roles they were defined and how quickly this team gelled was unbelievable. Um, the most unselfish team I've ever coached, including the Final Four Syracuse team. Um, they don't care about the me. They really don't. And I think that's why we are now 12-0 and in conference and undefeated and have a huge matchup with the number two team, UMass, um, this Thursday. Uh, four games left in the season, and right now we're vying um, with UMass for a conference championship. You know, and, and you talk about this team being unselfish, the most unselfish team you've coached, including the Final Four team with Syracuse. And, uh, you know, you look at this record, 12-0 and in the conference, like you mentioned, in the A-10, 21-3 overall. The way that you described this season in the beginning was, right, that learning curve, making up for the people that you had go out. Typically, when you have so many going out and you're trying to figure things out, we're not seeing 21-3. and How has this team caught on so quickly? Well, I think as a coaching staff, we did a really good job at the end of last year. You know, we always have our our big powwow and address what we did wrong as coaches, what we need to improve. And then really the general manager part of a head coach is deficiencies, areas that we really need to address in the portal and recruiting what we've signed and player development. And so we really address leadership and experience because we only had one starter returning and those bench players maybe averaged 1.7 points per game, 1.3. So we went out and we got, we addressed our rebounding needs in Tenemagasa who came from Dayton, all world center. Uh, We beat every, every BCS school monitor. We got her Um, rebounding, you know, center position, hold the fort down, went out and got a point guard from Rutgers played at Florida state. I knew her from my Syracuse days, BCS experience, um, at Rutgers and at Florida State, could lead and fifth-year grad transfer, and then went out and got two more interconference transfers. Um, 
uh, three-point shooter, four-player, and also a three-guard, the athlete we needed. Transition, three-point shooting, and also defender and rebounder. And so I just think we addressed the leadership component, experience component, and all our deficiencies. We were one of the worst three-point shooting teams in, in the conference last year, and now we're one of the best. And we have two centers that could be all conference centers, and we have just a ton of three-point shooting around them. Um, and, you know, we really improved the areas that we said we were going to in the beginning of the year, addressed our deficiencies, and then it really came down to the players buying in. And again, I've never coached a more coachable team, a more unselfish team. And, and when you close your mouth as a player and you open your ears and you buy in, unbelievable things can happen. You actually get better as a player because you really believe, I really need to do this to be successful. Not, they don't know what they're talking about. I'm, I'm going to keep doing it the way I do it. And none of our kids are like that. They're not. And it's been an absolute dream. Whether we win another game or not this year, whether we win a championship or not, this group has just made it, for me, fun again to coach. I mean, really fun. And I know my staff feels the same way because we, we talk about it all the time. And so not only are we winning, we are having a hell of a fun time doing it. Well, Tammy, I would believe that it's very hard to not have fun around you, having been around you and gotten to know your personality there is something to be said about the Tammy Reese touch. And I know you're humble about it, but when you're recruiting and things are working out, when you're beating other schools to bring in these student athletes, there's something to be said about you. There's something to be said about your staff to say, here are our deficiencies. This is where we're going to get better. Vetting the process, finding those that are going to get you better, bringing them in, having those pieces fit the pieces you already have and then having an unselfish team. So there's something to be said about you and your coaching staff's ability to not just find the talent, but to find those people with personal responsibility, with selflessness, and with a desire to work together. How do you see through from just sheer talent to talent that comes with the ability to know that I have people on the floor that I can trust and that are going to actually be responsible leaders themselves. Well, I think you brought up a good point, Dan, and, and you hit it on the head. We, It's the people that make places. It's the culture. It's recruiting the right people, not mm -hmm. necessarily basketball players where I've made mistakes in the past. We go in that portal and you go after talent. And sometimes you don't really know that talent because you've got a month and a half to get to know them. And I don't know the family. I don't know the kid. And you bring them in and they don't fit your culture. And they could take you down very, very quickly. And, and we're very cognizant. We've made those mistakes. I'll get bit once. I won't get bit twice. This year, we only brought great people in. And it we we vetted the portal. It wasn't like we had, my, my assistant coaches were going, we just had a Zoom with the kid, now mm -hmm. the mother, now the father, now the family again. And I said, yes, because I am not missing on people anymore. And so that's number one. We recruit to our culture, which if you know me, it's about good people. Just be yeah. a great person. Number two, we're very honest with them um, of what their role is going to be, of what why we're bringing them here and what we can do for them. I do not lie to kids. I don't. So right from jump, 
There is no miscommunication. When they get here, they go, you didn't promise. And now they're unhappy. And the parents, the reason I Zoom with the parents, and this was a lot during COVID, we, it's the only way we could do it, is because I need them to hear it. Because it's not just the kid. Often there's miscommunication between the parents and, and their children. Everyone's on the same page. And so I can look them in the eye when, when times get tough, because they will. And I said, I told you, this is how we are. Yeah. Am, I, am I not being clear with you? And so they never feel that I'm using them. I've lied to them. Um, and our right from jump, our relationship is based on trust and good communication. And so when you recruit good people to a good culture, um, everyone's on the same page. Very rarely can things go wrong. And if they do, it's just the kid ends up, the player, the young woman ends up wanting a little more and, or you want a little more, but you're still on the same page and you're happy for each other. If you need to move on, I'm fine with that. But I think that's how we, we're so successful this year. We didn't make a mistake in recruiting. We didn't make a mistake in the portal because I think we've done that in the past and it's actually hurt us. And I will not sacrifice our culture for wins. I won't. Not anymore, because happiness is too important to me. I cannot coach, still get a win, and be miserable. I do not want to live my life that way. Tammy, you know, it's like we said, it's been a minute since we talked, but every time I talk to you, it, I get that. There's people that you talk to and you feel it, right? You feel that. When you're talking about these things that you care about, I feel the difference between a coach telling me something and a coach saying, this this is me, Dan. This is who I am. I love how passionate you are and how candid you are about saying, I will not win another game and be miserable after. I can't live like that. Because so many coaches are looking to win, looking to get that money, looking to get that notoriety, keep that job, be on the top of the mountain by any means necessary. Why are you not a by any means necessary person? I think because I'm older and I've done that and I've made those mistakes and you'll realize as you get older, I'm no spring chicken. I'm not, I made so many mistakes in my twenties and thirties and I'm just older now. I know what makes me happy. When I was young, I do anything for money, for status, for titles, thinking bigger is always better. And when you get things and you think that's going to make you happy and it doesn't, you learn from experiences and and the people would tell me that. And I, my young self, I know, whatever. Now I know what they were talking about. I, I just didn't take their advice. I had to go through it when I was young. And so I know what makes me happy. And it, it, it's so funny because I thought money would make the world go round when I was younger, just wanted money and cars and status. And, and it didn't, it didn't, um, and so that's what I think I can be rest what my morals are and my value system is based off of the life I've lived thus far. And, and being an older coach, I'm very fortunate that I've had room as an assistant to make mistakes, as a young adult to make mistakes. And that's, I think I just pull from, from, the, from that and my experience. Um, and it's the reason I stayed at, at Rhode Island nobody, not one AD, not one board of trustees, <laughs> not one committee made me feel the way my AD made me feel. And, and if anyone knew me, and that's how I didn't, I knew 
if they took the time when Thor hired me here, he took his time. We talked and I mean talk. He got to know who I was. He knew what was important to me. Not, you know, oh, I'm from so-and-so school. You'll just come to, no, no, I won't. I don't even know you. (laughs) I'm going to move my whole life for a name on a school. Are you crazy? And so Thor, because of our relationship, knew what was important to me and what I valued. And no one could touch that. And no one made me feel more, more wanted than that man. And so for me, he knew, like you knew, relationships are everything. Your word, building that, you know, I can, I can trust him. Yeah. And so it, it, again, it's, it's just how I, I think how I was raised and all my experiences is what I lean on now when I make any decision, when I, when I try to lead my team. Um, and it all comes, like you said, it should come from the heart. I try to make really heartfelt decisions, um, more so than head decisions. Um, cause this has never really led me wrong. Tammy Reese here, Rhode Island Rams, women's basketball head coach here on week of call with Dan Tortora inside of the cafe Kubal studios, Tammy, everything that you just said and, and what you were talking about here about your heart and versus your mind. Do you believe you have to fall to rise? I do. I do believe you improve yourself and you get better. I don't always necessarily believe you have to fall to be successful, but I do believe you have to fall to grow. A lot of people are successful. Yeah. That to me means nothing. Success means nothing wins. And, but Sometimes you have to go through adversity to really learn about yourself and how you get better and grow. If you never fail, I don't know how you grow. I don't know how you learn. We all failed at some point in our lives when we were young, and it's how you get better. Do you, What happens when you fail? Do you fall? Do you persevere? Do you learn? from? So I, I do believe at a young age, and this is I tell parents all the time, Let your kids fail, please. Please stop doing everything for them. Yeah. Please stop telling them they're always right. Let them fail. I know you don't want anyone you love to hurt. I know my parents hated me to hurt, but they let me fall flat on my face numerous times. And it made me tougher and it made me grow. And it I learned how to deal with adversity. And that I do believe if you're a growth-minded, process-oriented person, man, that's how you get really good. You got to learn. You also have to learn how to handle failure. And that's really important. It tells you what kind of person you are. What's your character when you fail? Um, some people aren't good. Some people don't lose very well. Yeah. Some people don't win very well. And so, uh, you know, watching the Super Bowl yesterday and watching, all, and I watch everything. I watch all the coaches' post-game interviews. I watch all the players. When I play a team in basketball, I'll go on their website and I'll watch their post-game commentary. I watch I watch Dawn's. I watch Kim Mulkey's after the big game the other day. I watch Gino when he loses. Um, watching those Philadelphia Eagles, the coach, the player who, who got the penalty call, Jalen Hurts, I couldn't be any more proud of how they handled that loss you know, everyone wants to blame their, all the fans blame their, and how gracious they were and how they, they took it as a growth, a, 
you know, we are, we're going to grow from this. And they were just, they handled that adversity. Um, now, every parent should watch that. All those dads that are tweeting, the refs <laughs> blew the game. Blah, blah, that's exactly what you're going to let your kid do. Yeah. And watch how they handled that loss. It's why they're some of the best in the business. Because they realize without emotion taken out of it, this is a growth opportunity. Listen, it wasn't one play. There's a million plays that why we lost that game. Our defense couldn't get off the field. We couldn't get a stop. It wasn't that one play. Things like that, how they handle that. They're going to be in the Super Bowl again. They're going to win one because yeah. of how they handle and grow from this adversity. And so I just truly believe in that. You got to let people fail, let them grow. Um, and that's truly how I think you become great. And you brought, you brought up a great point. Eagles cornerback James Bradbury admitted he said, I fouled him. I grabbed him. I did it. You know, I did it. I thought they might let it go, but that was on me. And how many times have you watched a game and watched anything in life where somebody made a mistake and said, my, ba- I, I go on. The, I've said this about Geno Smith this year. I said, I love the fact that Geno Smith made me eat my words. I said he would be a good receiver in the NFL. Ha ha ha. And not, but you know, I was just kind of like joking around when he played what when he played Syracuse. I was like, okay, I don't see him as a quarterback in the NFL. And here he is as the comeback player of the year. He was my comeback player of the year. And I said from the beginning of the season, Gino is proving me wrong, and I love it every day. I love it. I have no problem telling people I'm wrong because telling people I'm wrong, that's growth. Number one, there's about one, maybe one percent of the world will actually say, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I was wrong. I've worked for news outlets that said, you got it. They said, it doesn't matter if you're wrong, if you lie, if you ruin someone's life, if you hurt people, as long as you're first. And we will never have a retraction. And I couldn't live like that. I'm the type of person that comes on the air and I say, hey, when I get my flowers, give me my flowers. Toronto Raptors fan telling me that the Raptors would never win a championship. Why do you like a team in Canada? You're an idiot. You're an American. And I'm still waiting for apology letters and chocolates and roses at my doorstep. You know who you are. And so in the case on the flip side, when James Bradbury can say, hey, like you said, stop going on Twitter saying all this stuff. I held the guy. I thought I was going to get away with it. I didn't get away with it. It was my bad. He beat me. I tried to stop him after he after he got around me and it didn't work out in my favor. Because in all reality, I think yesterday, I think the Super Bowl this season was called pretty correct. I can't sit here and say there was a play or two that made me go, wow, these officials look like they got some money on the game. And there's other games where I felt like the officials were not officiating to the best of what I would hope for at this level. But the problem in this game was not the officiating. The problem in this game was that ice grass that they're playing on? So oh, I'm like, <laughs> hey, I think if I think the one or two calls that could have been, you know, questionable, three calls maybe questionable by it took no, that field was god awful. Oh, yeah. And because I'm watching the first quarter, the it's panning even on the green, and I'm like, look at those divots. It looks like horses have been running on that field. They've been playing polo. Like that field was God awful for a Super Bowl. And that should never happen. The safety of the guys, yeah. like how slippery it was. Like, come on, man. I had a problem with that. Like, I'm like, this is crazy. God, a kicker could have slipped on the 
Who puts a logo and paints the middle of the field like that? He could have ripped his ankle. And it looks like he did. But, you know, it again, I just I commend, you know. And did I think he held him and let go early enough that I don't think that guy was going to catch that ball anyway? He wasn't. It was it was it was a very quick and the way that he did it. It was such a like grab like, oh, it was like a grab release. It wasn't a grab and pull. So I feel like he in most cases probably would have gotten away with that. Yeah. And he would. And he should have said, I didn't really grab him the first. It was within the first five yards. I let go of him. He the ball was uncatchable. You know, he didn't say that. No. He said, listen, I did tug on his jersey and it's up to the official to call it or not. But I gave him the opportunity to do it. And that's what he did. You know, and so I, I commend them. Um you know, I've lost a national championship game on a call um, from an official. And, and you know, when you're that heated as a player, um, for them to be that calm and that, I, I just really, I thought it was first class, Philly first class, where a lot of people say their fans aren't, aren't always first class. Mm-hmm. That organization, those young men, they're first class. And I really, really, I was astounded by their, their post-game interviews. I really was. And it was a great game. You know what I would have said? I didn't wish it ended. I did not <laughs> want it to end. It, it took, the stadium went like this. <sighs> like, well, yeah, it like took everything out of the game. And I was like. Was a layup. That was a layup field goal. That was such a layup. And so it just, it ruined it for me. Like, I was all excited. And then all of a sudden it was like, all right, well, oh, damn. And then that was it. And I felt like the ending just, it was too good of a game to end like that as a oh. fan. That's how I felt. I wanted it to end on some big play or, you know, either defensively or offensively, put it in overtime. You know what I would have said as a joke? Because I would have said the truth. But as a joke, I would have been like, yeah, I grabbed him. That I was like, I tried to stand up. This was a slippery field. I would have said I grabbed him just to keep myself up. Yeah. As a joke. But uh, I, so- I wish they would have got a stop yeah. and then they got the ball back and see if they could come down. Um, yeah. That's what I wish. But, you know, make it really really great Super Bowl, but it, it still was a great Super Bowl. It really was. Take nothing away from the Chiefs. Um, and I love me some Patrick Mahomes. So, yeah, I mean, what and you know what I said? And I don't know if you have this spray in college basketball. If you do, you don't have to say anything. You could just wink or something. But there's that spray that they have in the World Cup and in soccer where someone's leg is like broken bones shooting out the leg. They go over and they spritz them with a little water bottle. His leg heals and he runs like a gazelle. And I'm and I'm like, Pat Mahomes, right before he got hit, my dad was sitting right to my right. And right before he got hit, my head went, how's he how's he going to be when he gets hit for the first time? Like when he when he finally gets hit, is he going to be OK? Is he going to get re-injured? I thought that right before the play happened. Then he went down. Then I was like, oh, look at him. And my dad goes, here we go. And then he jogs off the field and comes back on. And just like he did against Cincinnati. And just like he did against Jacksonville, my Jaguars, he didn't just beat you. He beat you by running with a high ankle sprain that he continues to re-injure, but still will all of it, he'll like be injured. And 15 minutes later, he's running better than anybody else who's in perfect shape and perfect health. I don't understand Pat Mahomes, but I think we might be watching one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever live and wait on it. Maybe, maybe he can be the best. I don't doubt that he can't be the best because, you know, the best will always, there's someone that always comes along that will break. Now, will they say he's the goat like Brady? I don't know. Will he surpass seven? I don't know. 
no one thought LeBron, anyone would catch Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Now, I'm not saying he's the best, but LeBron statistically has had the best career. Statistically as a player, he's not the GOAT. Michael Jordan's the GOAT. He's the best player. But LeBron, so I I too, but, you know, they have something. I remember watching the Lakers versus the Detroit Pistons and Isaiah Thomas goes down and I mean, his ankle was ripped. It was this big. He couldn't even walk. Goes in the locker room. There's something. Now, you you watch football movies. You watch different oh, yeah. movies. Shoot it up. Shoot. I'm not saying they did that. I don't know. But why why do all these movies say they get injured? I don't want to feel it. Can he go? Shoot it up. I don't know what they do. Suddenly, he doesn't, he doesn't even look like he's injured at all. At all. Yeah. I don't know what they do. They got some magic dust back there. Yeah. They got that magic Windex from, you know, that they spray on it and it makes it feel better. I don't know what exactly what they do when they're injured in football or basketball. I know what we do when they're injured. We try to tape and see if they go, if they can't, we don't, we don't give them magic fairy dust. We don't do anything to re-injure a player. We in college. And I know as a coach, I would never ask one of my players to do that. Now I don't know what they do in pro sports. I don't, um, so I, I can't, but he didn't, he came out and he gutted that out, man. And that was an unbelievable performance. And he did it on a bum leg, which made it even better. And I said, in comparison, we were talking about it on yesterday's broadcast, Brendan Murphy and I were speaking about it. And we brought up Aaron Rodgers playing on one leg. Uh, we brought up Tony Romo with the punctured lung from the cracked rib and and then there was the Mike White with the Jets, where he injured himself as well, his ribs, injured himself multiple times and continued to come back into the game. So, I mean, it is it is miraculous. And it's, I mean, every time I watch Pat Mahomes, I feel like he does something. And he, then he's like the nicest guy. And I don't know if you, and, and you said you listened to the post game, so you probably heard this. But he said something I'm, I don't know if I've ever heard anybody say in almost 20 years of broadcasting. He looked at he he was doing the interview and he said, we're going to celebrate. And he looked at the camera and he said the right way. And it was almost like, don't worry, mom, we're not going to get too crazy. <laughs> and I was like, man, this this guy makes me feel like if I had a daughter, I'd be like, I'm a little nervous. And he's like, don't worry, Dan, we're going to celebrate the right way. And I'm all right. You know what? You could take her a half an hour later. Like, he just seems like somebody you don't have to worry about. And he's just different. You know, you give him all this money, you give Aaron Rodgers all this money. Aaron Rodgers is out here being a diva, getting psychedelic hallucinations in the middle of a cabin. And here's Pat Mahomes winning a Super Bowl. So. Yeah. No, to each their own, you know, everyone's different, but you, you, you do. He just seems like he's a family man. He's got beautiful kids. He has a beautiful wife now, but he's just humble down to earth. He's, he's not lost his mind. The goat status has not hit him yet. And, you know, I say this all the time. I like people who never change. They yeah. still run with the same crowd that they ran with and they try to uplift their people. Yeah. They don't forget their people and run with the, the upper echelon status now. And Patrick Mahomes seems like that guy that it doesn't matter how much money I have. It doesn't matter how many rings, my status. I'm just me and I'm never going to change. And those are the type of people I love. You know, you, you you watch some of these other people just lose their mind. You go, who are you? Yeah. What happened to you? Um, and he doesn't seem like one of them. So I admire that about him too. Humble, just nice young man. 
yeah, Tom Brady got a new face. So, I mean, it's just (laughs) (laughs) a little bit, you know, and that's, but that's how I feel. Somebody said that to me years ago. It was, it was someone who really didn't know me. And she was like, when you get a million dollars, watch you change. I said, I'm not going to change. She said, why? I said, because if I forget who I am when that day happens, then I'm going to forget everything that got me there. And if I forget everything that got me there, not I'm not going to enjoy it. I'm not going to appreciate it. And if I'm not Dan Tortora on the top of the mountain and I become somebody else, then I got to go back down to that mountain and start all over again because I don't want to win anything if I'm not me. And the first thing I think of is taking care of my people. I tell people that I tell my friends all the time. I say, if I'm going out, I'm doing stand up comedy. We start touring someday. Y'all are going to be in the front row. I hope y'all are cool with it. I'll pay you to go on the road with me. You don't have to worry about your job, but we're all going because that's what life is supposed to be. You're supposed to take care of, of that real good. No, yes, men inner circle that loves you, tells you when you're wrong, tells you when you're right, loves you up both times. You got those people. And there's a reason why you come back to the same people. Tammy, I'm the type of person where you and I have interacted and we already know. And you you knew me in a way that I didn't know you could know me that quick. But we interact so well and did Reese's Pieces and so many things because we get each other. We know what we're about. And I could talk to you once a year or once every 10 years. And I know I'm going to get Tammy. And if I ever didn't get Tammy, I'd be like, Tammy, what's going on? Because I know what I expect. I expect a fiery personality who who is strong in who she is and her conviction, who goes out there and loves it, who wants to do things the right way. And you always say the same thing. I want to have fun. I want to I want to win the right way. I want to enjoy it. You know, there's there's coaches and there's you and you are in a special place. And I love that. And I just hope as you continue to rise up this mountain, you don't forget about little old me over here is what I'm thinking. I'll never forget about little old you. It's the other 58 things they make me do now. I'm like, I don't even know these, but who do I have to talk to? Yeah. Like, I'm like, what? Um, it's funny, but, you know, so many things like I, you coach and people think you just, you know, they see you in the games two hours a day and it's the other 20 hours. Like you're like, I got to do scouts. I got to do recruiting. I got to do all these interviews. And, and it's funny when I first got here, I had all the time in the world for you. Right. I'm like, cause we, they were God awful. No one wanted to talk to me. And now it's like, I'm doing interviews three a day, four a day. Um, if I'm at, at people like, can you come speak? Can you do this appearance? Can I'm like, I can't, I'm in the season. Uh, I, I wish I could. Um, I've never been so busy in my life outside of coaching. Um, And that comes with the job that comes with promoting your university, promoting your program. It's a, it's a good thing to have. Actually, people want to talk to you. They don't are like, who are you? Um, But no, never like, and I say this, uh, I remember the first couple people that sat in our arena, like we play Thursday and there'll be thousands of people there. We'll probably have the biggest crowd of all time. But I can remember our first ride or dies that were there that, you know, support us. They're like our family. I know our inner circle of fans that, you know, because now here comes the bandwagon. Um, But those are the people that, you know, you can't lose because they believed in you. They gave you your shot. They supported you even when you lost. Um, And those are the people you cannot lose out of your life. Um, All the other ones come just to be a part of the. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And so yeah. that's where 
you know, you, you, I keep my ride or dies always, you know, my best friends from high school are still my best friends, college. Um, you know, I learned this from Dawn as big as Dawn Staley is. She's the biggest college basketball. She's bigger than Gina Oriema now. Biggest college basketball coach. I call her up any day. Yo, Reese, what's up? <laughs> you know, she hasn't changed a bit. She just is the highest paid basketball coach in, in the U.S., the most popular basketball coach, but she's still Dawny. She hasn't changed. And, you know, those are the real people, you know, and, and that's what I love about them. Um, and that's why, you know, again, you're raised the right way. Your parents will let you know um, that you can't be anybody but who you are. And money doesn't change that. People will learn very quick. Go ahead and get a million dollars. Just brings more problems, brings more stuff in your life yeah. that you don't really need to be happy. It's the truth. It's nice that I don't have to worry about money now. It really is. But it it doesn't bring me happiness. You know, the same old, same old that I used to do that made me happy when I had no money makes me happy now. And so, the reality, and going off of what you said, making that money doesn't take away your problems. So if you aren't strong in your conviction of who you are, if you don't know who you are, having more money is, is only going to make it worse than yes, what it is. Does. So I want to, we're going to come back around to Rhode Island and, and bookmark this. We're going to bookmark it here for a second. Cause I do want to ask you this. You and I are big music fans. Yes. Now I am wearing my Dan Tortora broadcast media hoodie here with the mic and the headphones. What I couldn't find, and I love wearing this, and obviously it's my company and I'm proud of it. I was looking for this and I'm sad about it. I couldn't find my Prince shirt because I wanted to wear it for you. So we talk about greatest of all time halftime shows. Now, I when Prince came around, I didn't see that one like live in a moment. I saw I saw the Maroon 5 with Adam. I saw the Adam Levine one and I went like this. Yeah, not interested. Now I like Maroon Five, but I don't need to see some no do with his with his shirt off. So I was like, whatever, <laughs> I'm good. Now, my my favorite, because I think the Super Bowl should be meant for collaborations. People that don't go on tour together that just so happen to be able to do this in this moment and maybe never again for the rest of all mankind. Aerosmith with Britney Spears and NSYNC. That one was amazing. I still remember them walking down like the catwalk thing. Another one that I loved, and Tammy, you could say however you feel about this, but I called some people out on this one. I said, if you had a problem with this show, there are a few people that are like, hey, my kids, I don't want my daughter seeing this dressing up like this and this and that. And I get that, but I'm going to call some people out and say, y'all, we're jealous about the dancing. We're jealous <laughs> about the bodies. And we're jealous about not your kids looking at the screen, but your husband. Your husbands. Going, yeah, the husband going, olay, olay, olay. <laughs> <laughs> So to me, Shakira and J-Lo, when you tell me, oh, she's 50 and she's 52, I'm like, stop with that mess. That's not real life. No. Those, those women are not good female performers. They are good any gender performer of any time in any history because they dance in their 50s like people don't know how to dance in their 20s. Shakira is playing instruments. J-Lo is doing all kinds of stuff. These women are gorgeous. They're talented. And before we talk about maybe your favorite halftime shows, because I'd love to get your thoughts, I just want to let J-Lo and Shakira know there's a lot of jealousy that comes with being successful. Let that ride off your back because y'all were flawless in that show. And I'm saying that as somebody who appreciates 
your music and your craft and wasn't just staring at the screen. But also, wasn't that that Super Bowl down in Miami? Yes. Yes. And so they picked the right from a culture standpoint. Yeah. The demographic as it should be. The representation, I thought that just um, was spot on. Now, I, I have so many favorites. I can't pick a favorite. Now, when Prince hit Purple Rain and it started raining, you couldn't, God <laughs> said, you couldn't pick a better moment. It was like the heavens came down at the right and just like, really? Um, I loved me some Prince. I love J-Lo and Shakira. I thought it was beautifully done from a culture standpoint, everything from a woman's standpoint, rocking it at the Super Bowl to the collaboration between both of them. Excellent. Um, and J-Lo is one of my favorite artists anyway. Um, yeah. Collaborations, like you said, I love the Aerosmith in sync, Brittany. I love Bruno and Bay, Queen B. I yeah. love me some Bruno Mars, but um and again, way back, like Michael Jackson, there there's some that are just iconic. Um, there is no debating. Yeah. I don't care what anyone says. When you come to the Ryan Center and play us since day one, four years ago, every home game, there's one anthem played. The actual videos played from the Super Bowl because I believe in it's the number one anthem. It's the only one to go number one on the pop charts. Record sales. When you hit number one on Billboard, a national anthem, mm -hmm. that's the best to ever do it. And so Whitney Houston is played before every one of our game. And I actually play the video of that Super Bowl performance. And the the visiting team, they're all locked on the video like this. <laughs> and then after they're like, let's because some of the kids have never seen it. Yeah. Um, and so that for me is the best anthem that was ever done. Um, and then performances again, I've loved them all very rarely. Like again, some, I won't say it's a bad performance, yeah. but it's maybe not my favorite group. Like Maroon 5 was on. I like Adam Levine. He's got some great pop songs. They're not my favorite group, but I can't say, oh God, that was an awful performance. Any, no, because a lot of people are fans of Maroon 5. That's like if you put Coldplay on. I'm not the, Coldplay was with Bay and Bruno. I'm not the biggest Coldplay fan. There's yeah. a million, millions of people that are, but I respect, I'm just not that big a fan of certain artists, but I wouldn't say it's horrific. Like people were actually going, oh my God, that, that wasn't her aesthetically last night. That was incredible. Aesthetically, yeah. those platforms and the, um, now she has how many hits? Like it, you may not like R&B and pop. You may not like it. And a little bit of reggaeton in there, you that you're that's not your genre, but you can't say it was an awful performance. It was hit after hit, it was slammer after slammer. Yeah. So I loved it last night because I'm a huge Riri fan. Now she was pregnant, so you're not gonna get the same Riri that you normally get. She didn't she normally tears it up. She's a right. better dancer than Beyonce. Uh there's no question. It's like Sierra's a better dancer than Beyonce. J Lo's a better Beyonce shakes it. That's what she does. She's not a she's not a dancer. She's not a yeah. a performer like that. Yeah. Um, but Rhea is real. And like like the banger she was hitting last night. I love I was up, ask anyone in, I was up dancing. I was getting after it um when they when she came on. So I enjoyed the performance. Do I think it was the best? No. I think, like you said, I think there were better, but I I loved it. I I've always said 
if I could get, now there's some anthems, there's some anthem groups that needed to have played at the Super Bowl. Freaking ACDC was one of them. Thunderstruck. That, I mean, come on. You put them with like an Aerosmith and a, and you bang it. Like that's, that's the demographic too. Men over 40 to 60 grew yeah. up. Like I could, I, that Super Bowl would be electric. And when the Raiders were in the Super Bowl, I always thought they should have had ACDC and some, like if I'm a marketing person, I'm going after certain, like, I'm like, really? They've never played a Super Bowl. Every one of their songs starts, you come out of a tunnel to it. We start every jump to Thunderstruck. Um, but it's funny. I don't know who does the halftime shows, but I'm like, they've missed out on a lot of great groups that should have performed at the halftime show. And I would have done them to get like, I would have had like boys to men and Aerosmith. Like, let me, let me intertwine that. Let me put that R and B in that rock. Let me hit you with some like Phil Collins that's working with like Bruno and then bring in one of, you know, bring in Kendrick Lamar with Phil Collins and people be like, whoever thought about this, we did. But the only thing, and it's funny, I was listening to a show this morning and on Sirius XM. And it was so funny to me because the guy was like, Rihanna was good, but I wish she had Drake or she had Jay-Z because she was sampling the music. You thought they were to come out. I said the exact same thing on the show Monday morning is like when I heard because I know that Drake song and I know those Drake lyrics. So as soon as I heard it, I'm like looking yeah. for the camera to pan and I'm like, ah, bring them out for a minute. And it was but one Reed, of my bets going in. We could have had Drake and Eminem. She could have had both because she's she's with both. But, um, yeah. you know, and again, it has to work out with collaboratively, collaboratively. But the Super Bowl before when they had Snoop, Dre. I was like, yo, like that was slamming for me. And people don't like rap. I get it. But yeah. for old, for certain genre, we loved it. Like I, I was off the chain. The Grammys. Did you watch the last Grammys? I didn't. No, I did not watch it. You should have seen the Ode to Hip Hop 50 years, yeah. starting from the first hip hop group all the way through yeah. current. And they were all there. They couldn't even they couldn't even fit everyone. They LL Cool J apologized. But the old for 50 years, it was off the chain. And, and like when the old school people came out, it it was incredible. And then the new kids came out, like the current ones, and yeah. it took all the air out of the room. Like, <laughs> like y'all don't even know what it used to be like. But yeah. back like in the that, day when like, everybody had a name and it wasn't Lil something, Lil this, Lil that. Little Lil baby, money. little. Yeah. You're like, and you all sound the same. You, yeah. No one has a flow or a style. Like when no. you knew... You knew Slick Rick, you knew, you know, Kumo D, you knew Run DMC, Beasties, Eminem, Big Papa. You you knew them all. Jay-Z, they had a flow in it. I can't tell yeah. you little, the 28 littles from each other. I couldn't tell you. I can't. It's, it's on the same. And I like Rick Ross and I like Biggie, but I said, can people finally admit the fact that Rick Ross's thing that he does, that's a Biggie, the whole oh. That's Biggie. Yeah. And not all, and so I was like, it's either Biggie or both of them were just struggling to breathe. I don't know. It could be that. I give it to that. Because they're, they're both, they did struggle to breathe a little bit. You know, That's but, funny, uh, but Ross is like, I mean, is there's certain ones where you take them out and it's like, yeah, but that's that's the thing. I mean, we just hit on it back and I'm going to go back and watch it. I don't watch the Grammys, not because I was like, ah, whatever. I was just kind of relaxing and I've been under the weather in general, but I'll go back and watch that part. Because to me, 
that's something that you and I appreciate. 50 years ahead, of course I'm going to watch that, but I'm looking for my, I'm, I'm looking for like Diddy. I'm looking for Mace. I'm looking for, you know, Lil Kim. I'm looking for Queen B. I'm looking for Mary J. Black. Like I'm looking for all of the things that, that made, cause you and I understand that we were well over spoiled. And now today's, I think it's funny what you said, the air went out of the room, because I can, I could see them all up there doing the thing. And then the new kids come up and, Dr. and Dr. Dre's like. Well, the whole room stopped dancing. Like, <laughs> and I mean, then Missy came out and it was, and then all of a sudden these two new artists came out and everyone, they were going crazy. In the, and then everyone was like this. And even I'm in, I'm on the couch. I'm, I stood up, I'm dancing. And then all of a sudden I'm like, what the hell is this? Like oversynthesized. Cause it's not music anymore. It's not music. You can't even dance to it. The R and B's gone. The hip hop's gone. It's just the flavor's gone. And it was funny, but um, no, it's just. And again, I love collaborations. And then one of the best one they were paying homage to Christy McVie from Fleetwood Mac. When you had Fleetwood Mac there playing this instrument, I think you had um, Cheryl Crow playing the piano singing, and you had Bonnie Raitt, and she was singing one of, and it was haunting beautiful and the collaboration and grammys is notorious for taking two artists you know and sticking them together and they did it all night long and it was amazing but things like that where you go oh my god what are what is justin timberlake doing with chris stapleton at the cmas back when they sang tennessee whiskey and yo that was one of the best performances of all time and the country music awards does that a lot with pink and and keith urban and so yeah. you get some of your greatest musical performances when you take two people that put them together and you go, oh, my God, they're talented. Um, but you would you would love the Grammys. Oh, to 50 years of hip hop. You'd love it. God, your mama and me. Backstreet Boys and Florida Georgia Line. That's, yes. And I was listening to the song and I go, this is Backstreet. And nobody I was like, there's nobody. I was like, this is Backstreet Boys. This is clearly them. So because, you know, their sound really quick here. Final note here. Tammy, words you want to say to the Rhode Island Rams, proud and true and real fans that have loved this team since day zero. What do you want to say to the people out there? Well, nothing but my my heartfelt appreciation for, you know, embracing us when when we were not good and believing in the vision, myself and my coaching staff, with the dream we were selling them, that trust in the process, trust that we're doing things the right way, we will build it. We will become an A-10 powerhouse. We'll vie for championships and we'll make this university proud um, and put us on the national map. And, and they believed in us. And, you know, for that, for coming every, every game this year, we're second in attendance in the A-10. My team appreciates it. My coaching staff. And just thank you so much. It, you know, it, the Ryan center is a true, true home court advantage now because of them. Tammy Reese. University of Rhode Island Rams head women's basketball coach and Tammy more than anything else here on Wake Up Call inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. Thank you for how you've always treated me. And I look forward always to catching up with you again. Well, thank you big time. You got your own studio now. Look, <laughs> I'm doing mine in my kitchen. <laughs> I got to get on your level, Dan. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. All right. Love you, Dan. Love you too. See you.